Podcast, one of the greatest podcasts of all time. The one everybody needs to listen to. The one to beat. The one all your friends and family are listening to around town. Well, it is November. Finish with Cocktober. We'll move into November and the weather's been unbelievable. In fact, it's been kind of annoying because it's been so warm keep sweating in my jackets. You know I'm not giving up the jacket. Once I decide to put on the jacket, the jacket is done. I do not take off the jacket until May. And I was going to buy like a new, you know, springy like jacket and I'm like, nah, nah, it's going to be over. It's going to be cold now. Well, it's not. And it's been very warm and uh, it's, it's, but it's really nice. You know, if you can go out, you know, I have to go out during the day where it's warm and then I'm also out at night I don't go home so I gotta bring the jacket but like on the weekends you know you don't have to wear the jacket you usually end up home somewhere you know you don't, you're not out the whole day usually I don't know how it works in the other the other half well I'll tell you I am exhausted I am exhausted I'm just shutting down the music I have had a very long week and I, can't, I gotta I gotta be honest with you I mean I I was like, almost not going to do the podcast. I'm exhausted. Can you imagine? Pe- my my favorite people? I know. But I'm like, you know, I made a promise September 1st that I would go all the way to New Year's and probably all the way to the Super Bowl before I take a break. Well, at least New Year's. I don't know what accent or voice I'm doing, but I'm doing it. And I made a promise to you people that I would have a brand new show every week. That will leave it come out Thursday or Friday. You know, I've been rethinking. I should probably do a podcast that comes out on Monday, you know, because then people are listening because I think it gets kind of lost. You know, it comes out Friday morning. Who's listening on the weekend? Although I really don't know when people listen. We've been talking about this before. I don't know when people have time to listen to a podcast. I don't know when they listen. I don't know what the habits are. 
But I've been thinking, you know, I should just do it on the weekends and then pop it out on Monday. But um, I can't because I like talking about football. So then what's the point? Yeah, because even if I did a wrap-up, it would be, no, wouldn't work. And what am I going to tape it during football season? Come on! But maybe after football season, maybe we'll uh, do it like everybody else who puts out one, like Monday or Tuesday, like normal people. But I know, um, I I like putting it on Thursdays, but this time I'm taping it on a Thursday, and I will explain why. And, you know, it's either going to be Wednesday or Thursday, but I have so much going on. I have so much going on. And it's not like anything important or anything that's going to change my life or make me money. It's just I've just been, you know, going out, whoring it up. You know what I'm talking about, ladies. And But I got all these boxes in my house. I just keep ordering stuff. And I got all these boxes in my house and I haven't opened them. I haven't had time to open them. I don't even know what I ordered. I just keep getting downstairs and they tell me I have a package. And I bring it up and I just never have to, I'm, I'm lazy. I mean, I'm very lazy anyway, but I got to look in there. I know I'm going to need something that's in those boxes. And I know I bought an ottoman. I don't have anywhere in my house to put my feet up. I thought that would be nice. I think I deserve it. Especially on Sundays, after sitting in my living room watching football, you know, for a hundred hours, after the last game, I like to go into my bedroom and watch in my, you know, nice desk chair. It's like a more comfortable chair than in my horrible living room wooden chairs from the 50s. Um, but I can't put my feet up. I put them on the bed, but then I'm facing the wrong way. And I like to watch uh, Once Upon a Time after football. And then, as you know, Castle. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd get an ottoman. I think I deserve it. Uh, you know. But I haven't opened it up. I know it's in one of those boxes. It's a great story. Great way. I'm so excited for the podcast this week. It's going to be great. We're going to be talking about ottomans. Well, this podcast is going to be really gay and really straight. So, as you know, it's a classic Dave Jeskow podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, last time we left you, the Mets were in the World Series. And uh, hilariously, well, not hilariously, but they, they, they lost. We know this. And it's really funny because, you know, when I was sitting there on Sunday and I'm watching the game, I'm like, I didn't even want the game to go Sunday. I was watching, you know, I watched every game. And I was just like, you know, if you're going to lose which was very clear they were not going to go anywhere. Just get it over with because I, I, I don't have the time. And we talked about this last week. Watching a baseball playoff is a very time-committing thing. You know, it's really difficult to watch all the games. It's, you know, it, if, if there were seven games, I mean, they're all in a row. I mean, you know, with a, a day off here and there, but... I was just like, I have stuff to do Tuesday and Wednesday, so I need you to just lose now if you're going to lose. I, I don't need you. I mean, you know if you're going back to Kansas City, you're going to lose. You know, they, they were just a mess. You know, it wasn't like the 86 Mets where they're, you felt maybe – actually, I think the 86 Mets were the same thing. It, you really thought it was definitely over when just these miracles happened. But for that to happen to the same team, even though it's 30 or 40 years apart, it would be odd. But, uh, yeah. So last time we left, um, I guess I did the podcast on a Wednesday. They were playing, and they were 
losing. And then I believe they won Friday, and then lost Saturday, lost Sunday, and uh, lost the series four to one. Kansas City gives a shit. You know what? I was walking up my street last night, and I see a huge banner in somebody's window that says KC. Who the hell is from? Who, who who's rooting for KC in New York City? Joe Buck. He's a St. Louis guy. He was going to um, PJ Clark's all week after the game. You know when it was at uh, City Field. Then him and the guys were going to P.J. Clark's. And you know I don't care for Joe Buck very much. But, you know, I'm kind of a phony. And if I saw him, I'd be like, what's up, buddy? How are you? I really don't like that guy. I mean, I really don't like his, what he does. He might be, a, he's probably a nice person. But I, I he sucks. I, mean, I wish they'd get rid of him. I hate him. Aunt Judy hates Phil Sims, and I'm not sure why. <clears throat> because I really like Phil Sims a lot. He's a living legend, and I like that he does well. I mean, he's a little arrogant and stuff, but I think it's funny. But this must be the way Aunt Judy feels about Phil Sims for some reason, the way I feel about Joe Buck. But Joe Buck is such a pussy. And there's like two instances where the guy just loses his shit. You know, like I remember Randy Moss scored a touchdown and he pretended to pull down his pants and maybe take a dump. You know, <laughs> he pretended. And Joe Buck's like, ladies and gentlemen, I can't, I'm so sorry. I can't even believe you had to see that. We, we do not condone. I mean, oh my God, are you kidding? Fag. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I don't even. And then, of course, the classic story is um, I went with Sarah. She, they invited her on a Yankees-Red Sox game that was on Fox on a Saturday night. And we went to Yankee Stadium. Or, yeah, it's called Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and um, he immediately slips a note in front of her and says, don't talk about Artie Lang. I'm like, already, you know, what are you doing? And then she's, she's doing some research. She's like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this guy who pitched a no-hitter on acid. And she just mentioned it in passing. And she's like, yeah, what about that guy that pitched that no-hitter on an answer? I think it was the Pirates or something. And he's like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, we don't... <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on a second. We don't, <laughs> we don't condone that kind of uh, usage uh, or drug usage. And uh, I, I, Sarah, please. Uh, and then later, she used the word mass holes, which is what the, the term for Red Sox fans are if you're from anywhere else. Called mass holes, Massachusetts mass assholes, and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, ladies and gentlemen!" And I'm just like, "What the fuck is this guy? Why? If you really know anything about Sarah Silverman, why would you be inviting her on your fucking show and not let her do what Sarah Silverman does?" And it was nothing like really bad, you know. She wasn't using the f word or anything like that. She was just trying to keep up and doing some sports references why have her on and then they had the nerve to hey, would you mind tweeting that you're on and she's like fuck them i'm not going to use my follow they they were like this is fox doesn't have as many followers as sarah does if you can believe it on twitter they're like we'd really appreciate it and she's like fuck you i'm not getting paid for this and after getting treated like that why would she do it Oh, that really pissed me off. And then I was through with Joe Buck, let alone what happened with Artie and stuff like that. That's a whole other story on HBO. I mean, this guy's just a pussy. But yet, we have a lot of mutual friends, which sucks. Plus, I got kicked off Artie Lang's DirecTV show because I talked ill about Joe Buck because they had some sort of deal on DirecTV. But I thought, I was just doing it to help Artie. I thought he couldn't stand it, but apparently they made up. But that's the problem. I'm going to have to make up with them because we got all these mutual friends. 
including John Hamm. They're all from St. Louis. I don't know, Paul Rudd. I think they all went to school together. And this guy, uh, John Schroeder, who uh, writes for Bob's Burgers, we'll call him Tall John. Tall Johnny. So I'm going to have to be nice to him. But I just, I, ugh. I wish he would just do something else besides sports casting. Because it's just not working for me, you know? Kitty's on the table. Here. You want to sit in that chair? So anyway, uh, that's so Saturday. I mean, I just had a heavy weekend again. My weekends have been so full because the fall is the best. And, uh, you know, it just really is. And it's great. And I've been really happy on the weekends. Even though I've been waking up like early, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. But good for me because I sleep too long anyway. And I've just had activities to do which are good, and I haven't been depressed, and, you know, the the, the time changed and everything, but I think because the weather's nice, so far, so good. You know, I definitely am worried, and Sunday nights get a little depressing, but I've been getting through it because I have been interacting with people, which sometimes during football season I tend not to do. I haven't been betting crazy. I've been keeping it down. So I think everything is okay. So Saturday... Uh, you know, I did the spin class. I did so much uh, exercise. I do so much exercise in one day, and then I do none. And I know it's almost like not doing any at all. So Saturday, I rode the city bike to the spin class, which is on 77th in Amsterdam, and then took the spin class, the gay spin class, yes, but with my friend, the instructor, and then walked back through Central Park to my house, showered, and went to meet Sarah, and Jeff Ross for lunch down on Houston Street. And we passed the Angelica Theater where Sarah's movie is, I Smile Back, which is getting really great reviews for her because I told you it was great. Um, and it was just so weird because, you know, I'm like, hey, your movie's here. Your poster's right there. And I was like, think about how weird this is. I mean, how many times in our life when we first met did we hang around this area, hang out and go to the Angelica Theater? And now your poster's there. It's pretty exciting, you know? I mean, it's like a dream come true, for real. Like, a poster with me on the cover is right there, and I used to hang around this area. I mean, that is, you know, it's pretty exciting. You know, obviously, we wanted to take a picture in front of the poster, but, you know. I've done that with Jeff Ross. He doesn't care. We've done that. He had a big billboard in, um, in Hollywood, and I said, come on, we got to get a picture underneath. You got to. You got to do I don't think anybody cares. And the first thing about that night... It was right on, La, like, La Cienega and, I think, Sunset. And so we got out, and we were taking a couple of pictures with him and his billboard sign, you know, with him underneath, getting a watch out. Then these two guys came over, and they're like, hey, would you take a picture of us underneath the sign? They asked Jeff to take a picture. I don't think they knew it was Jeff, which is even funnier. They just wanted to take a picture. We're like, oh, we love that guy. <laughs> that was really weird. And then they were going into that, what is it called? The Not the pig and whistle, the... Uh, pink I don't know what it is but it's like food they were so high <laughs> there was like two Spicolis that went and they're like oh that's gonna be awesome oh food is gonna be amazing Mr. Hand I've been thinking about it and if it's your time and my time doesn't that make that our time well I know this is history there's the globe right there <laughs> Just having, learning some history, having a feast. Wow, oh, that pizza looks so good when he gets it. 
But now that we have HD, it's not a very good-looking pizza. If you watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the pizza looks so good when he eats it, and he looks. The, I'm telling you, his best acting is only Spicoli. I couldn't care about any of his other roles. He's a two-time Oscar winner now, and who cares? We all are in agreement that the greatest acting work he ever did was Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and that's why he gets all other parts. And the look on his face when Mr. Han takes away the pizza is true acting because he's so depressed. And anyone that has gotten high (laughs) and is ready for a huge feast and then it is taken away knows that look. And that is what makes Sean Penn an unbelievable actor. He's so sad. And then he's watching everybody else eat it. And he feels so sorry for him. Mr. Hand, do you always have a guy like me in your class, like a guy you make an example of? I'm doing uh, not a very good imitation. I used to do it better. Well, you know, I'm more of a Damone guy. <laughs> this is some grand iced tea. Anyway, so then, so I met Jeff and Sarah, right? So, um, okay, oh, so here's what happened. Here's the big, big picture. Friday night, a guy comes up to me, and he says, uh, do you know the show Hamilton? And I go, what should I wear? I just had a feeling he was going to say something. He goes, uh, why, do you like it? I'm like, I've been trying to get tickets for like months. It's a, it's the hottest Broadway show since the Book of Mormon and maybe ever. It's like that hot. Book of Mormon was that hot, but I mean, I don't know. Somehow this seems different. Or maybe just the prices are different these days. I don't know. It's an impossible ticket to get. And as the example, I will use, you know, the guy I talk about, the very famous legendary acting teacher, Larry Moss, that I go to the theater with all the time. He never has trouble getting us tickets. This one, he can't do. I was listening to Howard Stern. Jimmy Kimmel had tickets. Oprah took them. I mean, that's how difficult it is to get tickets for this show. They're selling ridiculous. I actually purchased four tickets when it first opened to resell because I had a feeling. I've done this before and it hasn't worked, but this one, I think it's going to work. So I've been waiting to see, and I was supposed to see it with Vincent and I've been trying to get three tickets, trying to get three tickets, can't do it, just can't do it. This guy comes up to me and he goes, a friend of mine, uh, David Schechter, he's been, he was supposed to be on today. He's like, can I be on the show and talk about Hamilton? And I'm like, um, yes, but he couldn't make it today. And I was so tired, I just couldn't get a guest. And, and well, again, let me just start you know, from the beginning here. So Friday, so he goes, uh, it's a Democratic fundraiser. And I have a fraternity brother and we put in a special code if you click on the tickets and the tickets are only 100 bucks. What? Everybody's paying $5,000 a ticket for that. 100 bucks. So I immediately called Vince. I can't get in touch with him. So I called my sister. Because to this, you either have to take a girl you are sleeping with or your sister <laughs> or your mother. You know what I'm saying? It's that big that it has to be somebody you're sleeping with. It can't be somebody that you're just, you know, friends with. This is too big. It's too big. Um, and I think I told you last week, Ashley, my girl, got fired, so I don't see her every day. And now she's working in Mount Kisco. It's like an hour away, so I can't do weekday things with her anymore. It's horrible. I'm a mess about it. Aunt Judy's upset about it. Everyone's upset. I miss her so much. But anyway, my sister couldn't wait. She was so excited. Like, oh, I'll do whatever I have to do there. It was a special show at 5 o'clock because the president was coming. The president was going to was going to watch the show, Hamilton. And I'm like, oh, 
This guy has been a thorn in my side since July when my niece and I saw Finding Neverland and we had to sit in the theater for an hour waiting for him and his detail to leave because he was seeing Hamilton. I keep getting screwed whenever I go on that block to see a Broadway show. This Obama guy, he loves his theater. And if I was president of the United States, the last place I'd go would be a theater. I mean, if history has taught us anything, especially when your hero and you're the standing president is Abraham Lincoln, the last place I'd go is the theater. <laughs> hey, he loves that Hamilton. So, and if you don't know about this show, this is a, it's a very now really popular Broadway show written and written by this one dude who's in it. He plays Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. But it's a hip-hop show. It's a rap show. So I'm like, eh, I'm not going to like it. And you know, this is my time period. You know, I've been trying to do a John Adams thing with Alexander Hamilton for so many years, so I'm a little jealous. And I'm like, damn it, I don't want to see it, but I'm a Broadway guy. I got to see, I'm a theater guy. I got to see the hottest show. So he says, you can get these tickets for 100 bucks. So I call my sister and I get the tickets, 100 bucks. I got to do it right away. Right away because you got to bring the bucks. Then you got to pick up the tickets Saturday or Sunday between 12 and 6. You can't get them the day of the show. You must pick them up Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, boy, this sounds like a pain in the ass. So the whole time that I'm with Jeff and Sarah, and I'm like, should I go there now? Should I go there now? But it's Halloween. The last place I want to be going is the West Side and anywhere near 6th Avenue in the West Village. So I'm like, there's no way I'm going on Halloween to pick up those tickets. I'll go on Sunday. So I take the bike after me and Sarah. Oh, so we go back to uh, the hotel where she's staying. And um, who comes by? Was uh, You know, there's a very popular hotel that we see everybody at. And uh, Justin Thoreau sat down with us. I didn't know what he was. He sits down. This is the guy who's married to Jennifer Aniston. And the guy sits down. I think he's wearing a baseball cap. And I'm like, Jesus, this guy's unbelievable looking. I mean, like, he was like, he's like, like chiseled good looks in his face, you know? Like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. She said Justin. I was like, I wonder if that's Justin Thoreau. That's the first thing I thought of because I think that's the only one. I, I knew it wasn't Justin Bieber and I knew it wasn't Justin Timberlake. So I thought about it, but I'm like, well, why would he be here? But that's what happens is they're all there. And it was him. And he was talking to us. It's just so weird. You know, you just meet these people. They obviously all want to hang out with Sarah. But, uh, I sure would have liked to meet Jennifer Aniston. I wonder what she looks like in person. I bet you she's ridiculous. And I've heard she's like nothing but nice. But I've also heard bad things, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, maybe. Somebody was working for her in one of her movies, and she was a florist. And she was like a, like Jennifer Aniston was like a major asshole to her. Maybe I'll uh, try and uh, bring somebody on who can tell you that story. So I, write, I bike back up to my house and then I hang out for a half hour because I'm exhausted you know the, the bike all the biking the exercise and, but then my friend Lee Maraca says why don't you come up here and watch the World Series great plan because we're big Mets fans so I bike all the way up to the Upper West Side because now they got bike racks up there so now I can bike up there but you know I'm like this is a long day and I bike all the way up the Upper West Side and the marathon's going so it's more difficult because there's more people there's more junk and stuff and you can't do this and that and uh, I watched the World Series. And then uh, I decide to, well, you're going to order dinner. And I'm like, let me pay for him because he always pays for me because, you know, he does very well. And uh, I was so angry because just ordering out on the Upper West Side was like 100 bucks for two of us. And I was like, damn it. Damn it. 
<laughs> I didn't want to spend all that money. Um, but that's okay. And, uh, and then I took the city bike home. So I did a lot of, like, I don't know how many miles. I've got to get one of those Fitbit watches, right? Would they count bicycle strokes, or is it just walking? Because I'd like to know how many miles I rode, you know, especially with the spin class and everything. So I did definitely all my exercise that day. So then I went to sleep, and don't, what did I tell you? Don't play with the headphone stuff, because it uh, ruins it. That's what Memo was mad at, you remember? I'm talking to Selena. So then... The next day is the stupid marathon, which uh, I used to like, but now I hate. It's just annoying. And, you know, like you're in your neighborhood and you get these things, and then all of a sudden everybody else is in your neighborhood. And it's annoying on a Sunday, nice Sunday. But there was another, you know, football game at 9.30 in the morning, Lions-Chiefs. So I said to Kenny, I'm like, are we doing it? Or let's go to the, the bar again and watch it. And he's like, oh, it's going to be a shit show in there because of the marathon. But he's like, no, let's do it. So he, he said, yeah, all right, we'll do it. I'll meet you at... 10 o'clock we'll just go at 10 it starts at 9 30 I'm like you don't want to get there at 9 he's like no and then I woke up at like 8 o'clock and I was ready I was just sitting watching TV waiting for him to call and he goes oh you know what let's make it 11 I just woke up and I'm like damn it because I'm hungry so then we went down and the place was you know so crowded it's so horrible but we got uh but we were able to get a couple of drinks we couldn't sit down it was so crowded we were able to get a we were able to get a couple of drinks, and we, um, we were able to drink them outside. Manmosas, they're called. Manmosas. They're not mimosas. They're manmosas because they're put in a big goblet instead of a little fruity glass. A flute, I think it's called, right? Um, so we got them, and we were able to drink outside, and then it became kind of fun because he had a bunch of friends there. I mean, guys I know, too. We were just watching. We had a good space, a little space there. Then there was a big fight. Oh, and Jace, Jacob DeGraw was, was hanging out with a like a block from my house I think he lives here and he was just taking pictures with everybody that <laughs> was so funny I mean it was great because yeah, he didn't have to pitch if he was going to pitch again until Tuesday so he was just hanging out but um so we had these man moses and I started to get really drunk really quickly I hadn't eaten anything and then we had another one and then there was this Irish guy there and he's like Dave hey let me buy you a drink what are you drinking and I'm like, uh, we're having a uh, man mosa. Yeah, so like, uh, what? Man mosa. Yeah. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. And he's like, oh, all uh, right. All right, well, I'll get you something. And so then he comes back and he gets us, uh, you know, we see the orange juice, but, and when we taste it, it's a screwdriver with very heavy vodka. Um, and I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, and I just drink that. And then another guy gave me his leftover man mosa. So then I was drinking both things, and I got really hammered really quickly. I don't know. I had like four big drinks really quick, and I was drunk. And then I remembered, I got to get those Hamilton tickets. <laughs> like, I got to go to Times Square now while the marathon's going on because I'm an idiot, and I got to pick up these tickets because my sister will have my head if I don't get those tickets. So at 1 o'clock, even though, you know, the games are starting, I figure I want to get back to the house by 3, 3.30 when the action happens on the Red Zone channel. So I figure I'll uh, take the city bike over to Times Square. <laughs> you know, it's just ridiculous. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll get the ticket. I'll take the bike back and forth. But I guess from yesterday and just being that wasted, I could barely pedal. 
I was having so much trouble. Usually it's really seamless for me, but I was having so much trouble and I think I was falling off. It was really messed up. And if anybody saw me, they would have been like, what is with that guy? He's an idiot. And uh, so I got to the theater. I don't even remember where I parked the bike. And the theater was packed. They were just letting people in for the matinee and it is a zoo over there. Uh, because they got people that are waiting. Maybe they can get a ticket or whatever. I mean, it was so not where you want to be, you know, if you're under the influence of any kind of anything. Too many people. You know, you're already in Times Square. Then it gets worse. It was crowded. They're putting you on the side, you know, whatever. And whatever. Anyway, I picked up the tickets. I got them. Rode back home. That I was so nervous they were going to come out of my pocket while I'm driving. I mean, I get so panicked. I think everybody does. You know, like, I know they're going to fall out of my jacket or they're going to fall out of my pants. It's so nervous. I hate tickets like that now. You know, I just want to print them out and go. And then if you have print them out, you know, you always have the option. Like, maybe you could, you know, in case you lose them, they're on your phone and maybe somebody will take them. I mean, you know, but the regular old-fashioned tickets, yeesh. It's like, it's like in the old days when there was no uh, debit cards and you had to bring cash and oh my god you know you went to a restaurant and everything's double what you bought and you're like fuck you know nobody knows that feeling anymore they remember it you know going on dates or something and just play along with that uh going on dates and just being like uh you guys know what i'm talking about anybody my age i mean just you you bought the most money you could put in your pocket and you just did the best you could and, and hoped for the best i mean it, it think about that you just have the money you have. And if you don't have enough, there's nowhere to get it. It was terrifying going on a date before debit cards and credit cards. Well, I mean, I didn't have a credit. I guess everybody had a credit card. I didn't have a credit card. I was a kid. And going on a date was terrifying, let alone what I've talked about many times in this show. Dating in Manhattan is really difficult because um, it's, it's much easier to date in the suburbs in Los Angeles. And people don't get why. The reason why is because there's always going to be a moment where you can take your chance to for the goodnight kiss because you're going to be in a car and you're going to drop the person off and you have the chance. Where in Manhattan, I mean, you got to be a real fucking man to put it together because you're going to have to kiss her outside in front of people because you don't want to do it in the cab because the cab driver's there. That moment doesn't work very well. Or in front of her door if you walk her home, but that rarely happens too. You just got to walk out of a bar and just do it on the street. I start at the bar sometimes. Sometimes I just make the move at the bar. It's a very smart move. Sometimes that doesn't work out. It's very difficult. And then if you do it on the street and you're kissing a little bit, then the cabs start coming in. They start honking. They're like, do you need a taxi? And I'm, and I'm always so angry. I'm like, where were you at 4 o'clock this afternoon? Jerk off. Now you're just hovering around. Me making out with my girl, right? I mean, it's like, what's that all about, right? I'm like, come on. I don't know. Like, maybe there's two of us. I, I, you know, I mean, what's going on with you? Sandy! Teddy? What are you, what are you doing here? I, I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plans. Okay. <laughs> well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Hey, you know I gotta play it every week. I can't help myself. Obviously, I have a problem. It's like Lee Maracas with "What's going on, man? What's going on?" I gotta play the grease clip every week. <laughs> Just like I gotta do that voice. I got a little voice. 
<laughs> I don't even remember what I was talking about. No, I was talking about making out uh, and taking the chance. So it's like, yeah, but remember that? I mean, anybody remember? Oh, my God. You know, it's, it's really just like that scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was, you know, filmed in 1981 or 8, no, 79, and the guy forgets his wallet. You know, it's that, but it's that every time because even if you have your wallet and you don't have a credit card, and God knows back then credit cards barely worked sometimes. There was always a, a situation. Um, you know, it's just uh, a terrifying experience that you could never relax on your date. I can't even imagine if that was happening now at this age, you know, with all my stomach issues, just out of nervousness. I would never be able to rely. I would just never ask anybody out. But anyway, so I got the tickets. I went home and watched TV. Passed out a little bit, I think. Or did I even pass out? I don't even know. Yeah, I passed out for a couple hours. woke up and it was dark. So then I automatically got depressed. I'm like, oh my God, I've ruined my life. You know how that is. Taking that, you know, you go day drinking, you wake up. That's when I wish uh, sometimes I had a family. I know that sounds weird, but it would be nice to wake up with people. That's when it gets kind of lonely, living alone, you know? Just when you wake up and it's dark outside. Eh. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I wonder if... Uh, you know, anybody else feels that way. Although I think most of the people probably don't live alone or listen to this. Because most people are normal. And, uh, you know, by now, you're married or whatever. But I suppose uh, a married guy couldn't do what I did this week, which was crazy stuff. Um, so then... Uh, you know, I watched the Mets game. Right, right. Sunday, we watched the Mets game. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, and I remember how mad I was because they had that great football game, the Broncos and the Packers, which wasn't that great a game. The Broncos, like, totally dominated. But there were two undefeated teams. And I'm watching this stupid game, and Matt Harvey's pitching amazing, and it's really fun. And then, wow. Did you see the game? Did you see the game? Matt Harvey. The guy has kind of, at this point, a love-hate relationship with the city. He's good, but he's not good enough the way he brags and the way his agent brags about him. And he needed that game. And he got it. And he was about to be heralded as the greatest Met of all time. I mean, seriously, it was right there. The bottom of the top of the eighth, he's just like, wow, he's doing it. He's proving it. He's proving I want the ball. I'm the man. So do you remember the scene? Top of the ninth. Uh... You know, Terry Collins made up his mind. No, I'm putting the other guy in, and he's and and they're fighting. What? No, 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 no. I'm finishing what I started, old man. You listen to me, jerk off. I'm going out there, and that's that. And he's like, fine. So he so he gave the ball. But you know what? I'm sitting there, and the announcers are talking about it. That's what the crowd wanted. You cannot blame Terry Collins for that. People are doing that. Don't blame him. That's what the crowd want. We all wanted Matt Harvey to come out at the top of the ninth. I mean, it was exciting. Everybody wanted him to have the complete game. But you also knew it's the Mets. And, uh, you know, if you're a true Mets Chets fan, you know, there's going to be something bad's going to happen. But you really thought this year might be different. And uh, he gets up there and he walks the first guy. He loses him at three and two count, walks the first guy. And that's when he should have left. That's where Terry Collins messed up. Should have been like, listen, you're one and done. But he let him go. Because, you know, the other side of that, 
is you bring in this familiar guy, they're closer, and he's ruined two games. He's blown two games already. So there's really no way to win. The, we all know the Mets weren't going to win that game because you, you bring in the closer and he sucks lately. I don't know what happened in the World Series. Everybody who was great in the playoffs sucked. Daniel Murphy, everybody sucked. I don't know what the fuck happened once they got to the World Series. There may be too much celebrating before they got to the World Series, but he walks the first guy and then the other the next guy gets a hit and all of a sudden, yipes. And then it just gets from bad to worse. You know, then it gets tied up and I was furious. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I just wanted to end this. I still wanted to watch Once Upon a Time. You know, relax, no more sports. Just sit in the room with my cat. And she enjoys that show because, you know, it's it's about black cats and stuff like that. Uh, You know, it was Halloween. It's her day. And, uh, And then they go into extra innings. I'm like, I'm done. I'm turning it off. I'm done. I don't care. I know they're going to lose because Kansas City came back and it's exciting and they're going to lose. Yeah, I kept going back and stop it and check it out and uh, then it just got, whoa, so out of control. Then I started listening to the radio again just, um, you know, like I did the other day with Steve Summers and the girl was just explaining it and it just, no, everybody was pissed and I'm just glad I didn't see it. I didn't want to see the Royals celebrate at City Field. Just what a horrible ending to a really great season and uh, really disappointing. And yet, on the flip side of that, good. Because I really had too much going on this week for a game six and seven. So then Monday was Hamilton Day. I'm going to see this show. and I'm going to meet the President of the United States. I'm not going to meet him. You know what I'm saying. I mean, I would have met him, but he said he specifically said he did not want to meet any Jewish people. Which was odd because I guess he just doesn't care because... All right, I'm just kidding. Am I? Um, he might not have said it. Mm. So um, th- there was a special performance at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And we had to get there at the latest, f- f- what was it, 4.15. Um, and they gave you food, like an airport. You have to go through airport security. You, know, you had to go through a metal detector and everything. And then they gave you like an airline airplane food. It was really interesting. And let's see, I get the guest list here, too. Everybody was there. It was anybody. Of course, I wasn't mentioned. I don't know why. Martin Scorsese, Chris Rock, Kerry Washington, Ethan Hawke. My sister ran into Ethan Hawke. She was like, what's that guy's problem? Edward Norton, Scarlett Johansson. It was very interesting. And uh, so the play was very good. And the people I talked to, you know, Sarah saw it last week. I was very uh, upset. And my friend Vincent had seen it. He lied to me. He lied. I was like, hey, I think I got his tickets. Oh, well, you could take Larry. And I'm like, why? He goes, uh, well, I actually already saw it. I'm like working my ass off to get him tickets. You know, whatever. But everybody, Sarah and Vincent, they're like, that's eh, pretty good. They weren't gaga over it. Because um, I think the three of us are, you know, we're, you know us, you know me. So that's the kind of, you know, that's the show I'm looking forward to. Hey, old man, what's happening, you know? And then um, 
so this is a hip hop thing, you know, and uh, where is the, this is, this is what it's like. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready for a cabinet meeting? Huh? The issue on the table, Secretary Hamilton's plan to assume state debt and establish a national bank. Secretary Jefferson, you have the floor, sir. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We fought for these ideals, we shouldn't settle for less. These are wise words, enterprising men quote them. Don't act surprised, you guys, cause I wrote them. Ow, but Hamilton forgets. His plan would have the government assume state debts. Now place your bets as to who that benefits. The very seat of government where Hamilton sits. Not true. Ooh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If New York's in debt, why should Virginia bear it? Uh, our debts are paid, I'm afraid. Don't tax the South, cause we got it made in the shade. In Virginia, we plant seeds in the ground. We create. You just want to move our money around. This financial plan is an outrageous demand, and it's too many damn pages for any man to understand. Stand with me. So, you know, you can picture me sitting there going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I, I couldn't understand a word they were saying. I cannot keep up with the rap. Old man Juskow was in the house and very confused, but very much enjoying it. Because, uh, for, first of all, I had no idea everybody was black. I really didn't. I didn't know they were all the characters were going to be black because I don't know what ethnic ethnicity the guy who wrote the play who plays Hamilton is. Um, I thought maybe he was Spanish. I think his name is Lin-Manuel or something. But, you know, everybody was black. Thomas Jefferson was black. James Madison was black. George Washington was black. And I was just like, oh, I thought they were switching it up, but everybody was black. And um, then I was thinking about, I was like, this is brilliant. Because what they basically did was The Wiz. You know, like they did a, a version of 1776, my favorite musical, but like The Wiz. Like doing a black version of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and that's very smart, but they, but it's new and different. They didn't remake anything with a black cast like they did with The Odd Couple. And they made a black Odd Couple cast, you know. Um, a brand new show. A really interesting way to do it. And you know what I'm saying to myself? Geez, you know, I see a lot of crap on Broadway. What a great idea. Why not bring rap? Now, I, black people don't go mostly to the theater. I don't even know whether they're going to this. But it was still... As racist as that may sound, I mean, it's a fact. Remember, I told you I went to see The Motherfucker with the Hat with Chris Rock, and that's where black pe you know, some black people were there. It's mostly white people. And they were yelling back at the stage, you know, like they yell at the screen, you know, how the... the we always joke about black people yelling at the screen. I mean, any black person will tell you they yell at the screen. But they were doing it when it was live. <laughs> it's like, you know, not not good. Like Chris Rock had to calm down the audience. Everybody relax. And I, I know that sounds just not PC, but uh, factual. So, uh, yeah, so I didn't realize everybody was black. So it's really confused. Um, didn't really understand anything, but I still enjoyed it. I love the, the, the balls to bring a, a, like a rap hip-hop show to Broadway and then be politically correct. And you hear all the stuff they were talking about was factual. Um, you know, that's my cup of tea, obviously. I'm trying to make this John Adams show for so many years, and it's supposed to be completely historically accurate. And that's, for me, the fun of the show. So, God, I could see being a kid if, if I'm in a high school you could totally put on this play. It's perfect for high school kids. Are you kidding? This is fucking brilliant. And then and and to do it at high school, then you can learn this. You know, then you can you do a thing about it. Well, let's talk about 
the candidate battle between Jefferson and Hamilton, there's what they're trying to do would regulate the tax or open a bank, you know, start. I mean, that's pretty, you can see why Obama would like it too, let alone Alexander Hamilton being, you know, like kind of a, an immigrant since we don't really know what Obama's about. But uh, it's interesting. But the, the funniest part is, is that here's another one for it, by the way, that's a little slower. Girl. I'm waiting up for you, girl. That's not how it goes. Theodosia writes me a letter every day. That's how every other song goes for me. I'm keeping her bed warm while her husband is away. Girl, yeah. He's on a British side uh-huh. of Georgia. Yeah. He's trying to keep the colonies alive. Uh-uh. But he can keep all of Georgia. Theodosia, she's mine. Love doesn't discriminate between sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes and we keep loving anyway. We laugh and we cry and we break and we make our mistakes. And if there's a reason I'm by her side, so many have tried, then I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. I liked it because uh, you know it's it's different. You know, you hear all those songs that all sound alike. I'm always driving with Ashley, and she's always playing these songs. <laughs> and I was like, girl. I gotta get in you, girl. And it's always the same thing. It's the same beat. It's always, girl. Yeah, I'm waiting here for you, girl. It's always the same. Or at least it is to me. So to hear somebody talk about something different and still talk about, and still be in uh, part of the show that's talking about, you know, Georgia and the, the support it's given to the colonies and stuff. I mean, thank God, right? Girl. Let's do it again. Girl. Uh-huh. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, come on, girl. I'm waiting up for you, girl. Oh, girl. I'm thinking about you, girl. That's the way every song sounds to me. I guess they're different, but especially um, videos like that, every black person makes the exact same video when it's a slower song. Somebody has to take a stand. I haven't seen a video, a music video in a while, but that's the way it was for so long. Every single black video. But then I was thinking to myself, I wonder if all the white videos look the same to them. To them. Well, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, do they think, well, geez, all white videos are exactly the same. It's always, you know, everybody just hanging out and talking. I mean, I guess everybody's is similar. We just look at it different ways. But um, the, now here's the best part. So, you know, I told you, I'm a show tune guy. So what's my favorite part of the show? The one song that is a true show tune. You say the price of my love is not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry in your tea, which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, (laughs) this is supposed to be King George. It's very funny. He comes out and he's like really flamboyantly pretty much gay. And he just comes out and he's just talking about um, you'll be back, you know, and it's really funny. It's brilliant, really. They just and so they give the British guy the true show tune to show that he's just an old fart. I mean, it's very, very smart, and the song is so catchy. Plus, it was the guy from the Book of Mormon who I really like. The guy was the lead in the Book of Mormon. 
Took over the role of Guys and Girls. He's in a couple of TV shows. Oh, the harpsichord? Are you kidding? I'm, I'm loving it. So, I mean, you know, I'm like, all right, here we go. Now it's beginning. But it was really funny, and that was so brilliant, and that guy is so good. He was the lead in the Book of Mormon, and I really like him. He's got a great singing voice, and, um, you know, he's really good at comedy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, think about that. They're doing this hip-hop thing. It's pretty serious, and then they, this guy wrote this really funny, interesting song. I was impressed. Like, listen, I didn't love the play, but in a way I did because, um, you know, it was just interesting and different. And uh, how can you not like that? You know, I mean, if it listen, would I have liked it if I had paid $5,000 for the ticket? I think I would have been pretty fucking furious. Well, somebody got to come up and suck your dick with that. No, because uh, unless Obama came up and, you know, just said, David, thank you so much for the $5,000. Because um, that's what you need after that. So the show ends and then we wait around. The chairs are so small, though, you know, you're just, oh, my, my knees, now I feel old because I, I don't think I'll be able to get up again, ever, you know? They're so cramped, they're so old, you know, those theaters were made, you know, in the 1800s when, like, people were tiny, <laughs> when they didn't have people like Shaquille O'Neal on the planet. Um, And so then he comes out, and it turns out um, he wasn't there. I don't know what happened. He They, they purposely did another performance on a Monday night because he was supposed to be there. And he didn't show up. He comes out. He's like, what did I miss? Everybody's like, eh, that's not funny. But he came out, but he was hilarious. And first, it was so exciting seeing the fucking president of the United States, you know, in where you are. I've never seen anything like that before. It was exciting. I wonder if it would have been as exciting with George Bush or somebody like, you know, somebody who's just a, kind of an ass. But... um I think it would have, maybe. I don't know. You know, I think I was at the Democratic thing. I mean, I'm a Republican. It's a good thing they didn't find that out. Am I right? What's up, people? But um, I like that he was making fun of the Republicans because some, you know, these most most of these Republicans are they're insane. So he doesn't have. So Obama's got nothing to worry about because you know he's leaving office. Good. So he was really funny. And he was talking about maybe you saw it on the news. He was talking about that the candidates were. You know, tough talking about he doesn't know how to handle Putin and Donald Trump's giving him, oh, it's going to improve with me. And and then he says, like, well, it turns out they can't handle a bunch of CNBC moderators. You know, so if you guys can't handle those guys, how do you think uh, you're going to handle the Chinese and the Russians? They're going to be worried about you? I don't think so. And that was really funny because, you know, those, the Republicans, if you saw the debate last Tuesday, they were just complaining about the moderators. <laughs> He's right. And... Um, so then he was talking about climate change and he said that he's like, well, I don't know what the deal with these guys. You know, it's like they don't care for, you know, proof and science. And he said that this Republican member of Congress, he wouldn't say who it was, but we know now it's Senator Jim Inhofe, he's an Oklahoma senator. 
And um, he brought a snowball into the chamber to prove global warming was a fraud. Can you fucking imagine this guy? And this guy's a senator. It's 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 kind of creepy, right? Because that's what we say about Donald Trump. Like, let's just say, I mean, I'm registered as a Republican, right? But I'm not an idiot. You think I want to fucking blow up a Planned Parenthood? Do you think I don't? I want to take away funding from fucking Planned Parenthood? Are you fucking kidding? Well, these people are insane. And then just not to recognize global warming when it's obviously a fact of science? It's weird. And that's in fact, he, he goes on to say, I think, that um, he says, yeah, he says, if you go to 100 doctors and 99 of them tell you you have diabetes, you, you know, you wouldn't say, ah, that's a conspiracy. You know, all 99 doctors got together with Obama to keep me from having bacon and donuts. You know, that's what they're... It was a great example. Because it's like, uh, it's weird. And sometimes, you know, like you're like the only person who's like, am I the only one that sees that they're insane? But I don't think Donald Trump is like that. I don't think he's insane. Like, I I don't know whether he's going to win. I don't know if... I don't think he'll be a good president or anything, but I don't think him and Chris Christie, I'd like to think those guys, they're, they're saying what they want their parties to hear so they can win, but I can't imagine they're actually... They're from New Jersey and New York. I don't think normal people feel that way, do they? You want to bomb an abortion clinic, you fucking freak? So I, I think that's all just kind of the game. So I think we'll be okay. Because I don't think those lunatics will win. And then, then he was talking about it. I mean, this guy, he was amazing. It was really exciting. So he goes, he goes, um, that the you know everybody's saying that Americans were better off before he took office in 2000. He goes, I don't know if the Republicans running for office know any of these things because they occupy a different reality. It seems is what he says, quoting him. According to them, everything was really good in 2008 when we were going through the worst economic crisis in our lifetimes, when we hopelessly addicted to foreign oil, and when Osama bin Laden was still running loose. And then he said, this apparently was the golden age. I messed up. He was very funny, and it was way cool. And no matter who your party is, it's kind of awesome to see a president just kind of joking around in his last term. You know, that's what you want to see. What does he have to lose? So it was badass. And then, um, you know, we left and I walked my sister to the train station. And then I went out for wings. I went out for wings. But I'm doing it all. Yo, what's up? Ended up going there, you know, usual time, 10 o'clock. So it, the whole place wasn't crowded. The back room that we're usually sitting, these wings lands down the road, wasn't crowded. We were having a great time. All of a sudden, a mob comes in, and they're, like, touching. You know, they're like, oh, sorry, sorry. They're bumping it. We're like, I can't even believe it. And I look around, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's the cast of Hamilton. I'm like, they just must have, they were with the president. They are taking some photos, and then they came in to celebrate. Because there was a guy that looked like the lead guy in a little ponytail, in manual, whatever. And a couple of people, like, the girls looked like, a couple of black girls looked like the girls in the show. You know, you know how bad I am with names and faces. So I was like, "Are you guys? Are you guys from Hamilton? Are you guys from the show Hamilton?" And they're like, "No, we work at the frying pan downtown. We just uh, we went to Lucky Strike tonight and all hung out. So somebody's leaving." And I'm like, uh, "I was so disappointed. I was like, oh my god, this is going to be the greatest thing ever because all the people that I went with to the show, including my sister, can you imagine me tweeting pictures back to them and being like, hung out with the cast of Hamilton? And like, what? How? How is that possible? I wanted it so much to be Hamilton. Wouldn't that have been the greatest karmic kind of thing that would have possibly happened? But no, they just work at the frying pan. <laughs> I mean, the frying pan is like a bar that's a ship. 
And I used to go to a gay party there every Valentine's there called the Black Arts Party. So I always think of it as a gay shit, but apparently it is not. I guess. All I know is I don't want to go there anymore. You know what I'm talking about. But where was I going on Valentine's Day? If you don't have a Valentine, you might as well hang out with a couple of single gay guys. Where am I going? Where am I going? You don't have a day for Valentine's Day. It's like the worst fucking day in the planet. So that was awesome. So then Tuesday, again, totally filled with stuff. I did Tom Papa's show again at the Comedy Cellar, uh, which is radio show, which is going to air today. If you're listening to this in the morning, it's going to air Friday and through the week on Sirius Radio, and you can hear it. Now, this time, I my part was, uh, he always writes me a part, which is awesome, awesome. This time, I was supposed to come out and give live tweets during the performance. Like, oh, Tom, I got another live tweet. Uh, just saw the show. Tom wasn't that good. Like, I'm live tweeting through the show, but the bit was not working. It was horrible. I don't know why. I think I should have been sitting at a computer and and doing something, and the material wasn't that great. You know, it wasn't, I mean, it's Tom's fault, but it, it's, I, I got to change it. He's like, write whatever you want. I'm like, but I'm not good at that either. So, you know, he had me doing the Michael Caine. He's like, oh, Michael Caine just live tweeted. And he said that I'm Batman, and I don't need this kind of show. Or whatever, you know, I was doing it. And so that was working a little better, but the bit was not working. And Gaffigan was on the show, which was great to see him. He was really funny. He was really funny. And um, Kurt Metzger and Ryan Hamilton, the three comics. And they're wonderful guys. They did a great job. And then it's like a little, you know, Prairie Home Companion show, you know, in between. Like, those top Papa, come to Papa, is brought to you by. And they have an announcer, Rick Chrome, who I've always known for years. So then, I, at least I said, um, I have another live tweet. Do you mind if I do it as Bill Cosby? <laughs> and he's like, no, go ahead. I'm like, okay, great. So it's just like... I just did some ecstasy in the bathroom, feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so at least it ended. Then I sat down, and while I think while Ryan Hamilton was on stage, I go, "Hey, um, do you want to just cut the bit? You know, <laughs> like abort it?" And he's like, "Well, how many are left?" And I'm like, two. And, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let, let's abort it." You know, so that was it for me. <laughs> but I saw people the next day, and they all said I did a good job. But. That was very polite. I guess, I don't know, you know, I was very nervous. I don't perform very often, so, you know, when I'm bombing, even though it's somebody else's material, it's uh, it's not fun for anybody, you know. But then it became funny that I was bombing, you know, I guess. So then I went to the cellar, and I hung out there for a while, and um, drank, I was drinking, and Louis was going on too long, so then I ended up getting angry at him because, uh, you know, I really wanted a, the crowd to move out so they can go downstairs, but Louis was going too long, and I, I really laced into him because I, I need some peace and quiet. But then I had to leave because I had to go to the pizza place next door and pick up our winnings for that Super Bowl box, which we also won on Monday again. Remember, so we got the Super Bowl box, but on Monday nights, and we won again thanks to that stupid Carolina-Indianapolis game. They just scored like three different field goals in the overtime, and we won $400 and with two other people. So um, I had to pick up the first month's winning, and my friend, you know, Steve Cunningham, left it at the Fiori's, the pizza place. And so I just had to walk down there, but I had to go to the bathroom, and you can't go to the bathroom at the Comedy Center unless you walk through you know, the whole where they're doing the comedy. And I don't like that. So I went down the street and I ran into a guy that I know at the, this place called the Grizzly Pair and he let me use the bathroom. And then I went to the Greenwich Village comedy uh, right in, down the street. I mean, it's exciting. You can just walk down the street and you know everybody. And I ran into my good friend Tiffany who was a waitress at this comedy club and we used to hang out for years. Um, and then we just hung out and drank a little. She was still working. So, you know, I got a couple of free drinks. 
And then she came to the pizza place with me, and they had the money right there. I'm like, hello, my name is David Juskow. I um, was told to come here at this exact time. This is But the money has been there for a month. He goes, just go in and anybody will give it to you. It was like right underneath the pizza. It just said Dave. It didn't even have my last name on it. And it had 360 bucks in it because in Staten Island, they take out a VIG. It's suggested. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I don't want any Maury trouble. Like, fuck him. Fuck him. You tell Jimmy I'm not going to give him that money. You think I take three points over the VIG? That's ridiculous. Fuck him. He wants his fucking money. I don't want to fucking. You're going to tell Jimmy? You're going to tell Jimmy that? You tell him that. No, fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him in the year. What are you talking about? Fuck him in the year. Son of a bitch. Did I ever bust his balls? Did I? Did I? I could have dropped the dime a million times. I wouldn't have to pay What? You're going to tell Jimmy Conway that? Fuck him in the air? What's the matter with you, Maury? Come on. Karen. So, uh, yeah, so I, I got the thing, and then I got uh, a pizza, and I gave it to the staff at the cellar. It was really great, because they're so nice to me there, and it makes me so happy, and I just want to be loved. <laughs> I just want to be loved. And, but it was really fun. And so then Attell came in, and Kevin Brennan was there, and it was just the four of us and, and my friend Tiffany, and we were just hanging out at the bar. There was nobody else there. Attell even had his feet up at the bar. The show was still going on. And Kevin and Dave just were lacing into each other, and it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard. And then Jeff Ross came in, and Dave and Jeff were going to go on stage together, so they told me to come down, like, come on, we'll bring you up. And I'm like, I really don't want to. I'm kind of wasted. And so, but I had to go to the bathroom again. I had no choice. I had to get up. And that's what they wanted me to, you know, and they're like, sir, sir, sir. And I'm like, you know, I like to play along, like, where um, I'm a different character. You know, like, what is your name? Uh, Joe Baker. <laughs> and where are you from? I'm from West Virginia. I'm here in town. On a, it's just stupid, but I like doing it. And then they make me do something stupid. Like, well, you look kind of like a Neil Diamond impersonator. And I'm like, that's just kind of weird that you would say it because I am actually, you know, whatever we do with the bits, it was kind of fun. And I was singing and dancing with them. And it was, it was fun. And the crowd liked it. And what a night, right? I mean, it was very exciting. And I was drinking. And then those guys never want to go home. So I finally got home at like three or four in the morning. And then... You know, Wednesday came and Rachel Feinstein was shooting uh, her one-hour special for Comedy Central. So I had to go there last night. We went to the 9.30 show and uh, I sat with Ryan Hamilton again. If you don't know this guy, he's going to be a very big comic soon. And a lot of people from the cellar, Marina Franklin was there and Keith Robinson, was, everybody was there to support Rachel. And she and Amy Schumer, it's her, like she's producing it. And she came out and, you know, introduced Rachel. Which, that's a big deal. I mean, Amy Schumer is a fucking movie star and that's a big deal to have her produce the show and she's really into it too but Rachel for Christ's sakes I mean it was there, we, we didn't get out till midnight that's too fucking long Rachel Feinstein should be doing a half hour <laughs> not an hour but she looked great she did a good job and um, you know it was really fun but too long the place was hot it was cramped again just like in Hamilton it was cramped in the goddamn seats I'm like can I just get a bigger seat. Please. These seats are not made for men of any kind. You know, I'm not fat, but Christ. I mean, just, ugh. Like I'm on an airplane, you know? So then we had a, a party at the Hudson Hotel afterwards, and, you know, we didn't get there till 1230. So we stayed until the end, and Attell came, and everything. the same people as yesterday. It was great seeing everybody again, like twice in a row. And I drank again. And then, um, 
you know, then I, I, I hadn't eaten like that whole time. Like I hadn't eaten like 12 hours. And then as I had to stop at a McDonald's and then I didn't get to sleep until five. So I'm exhausted today. I am exhausted. And uh, that's why I was like, oh, but I got to, you know, tonight I'll come home. I'll just do the show. But then I was like, Ugh, I don't even know whether I can do it because I'm so tired. What a week, you know. But, uh, you know, super fun. Tomorrow I'm going to the Devil's Game. And uh, that'll be fun. And then Saturday, I can't figure out. Jody called me and she's like, hey, I've just bought all this bacon. I'm going to cook it on Sunday. Let's have brunch. And I'm like, that could be good. She's like, well, let's make it Saturday. And I'm like, but Saturday's my spin class. You can't just go to spin class and just eat bacon. It's not right. And when Obama mentioned the bacon and donuts, I was like, mm, bacon and donuts. But, um, you know, I'm not complaining. I mean, Saturdays have been really great. I get, I get to go out, do stuff. The spin class has been very effective because it gets me out of the house, come home for a couple hours, then meet somebody else. I mean, it's, it's really working. It's making me very happy, you know? So uh, that's the important thing. So I don't want to cut out of it. I don't know what I'm going to do. But, I mean, you know, it's not a horrible problem to have. I don't really have that much to do anyway. So let's see. Oh, um, I don't know if you heard about this. The new word of the year, based on, you know, a dictionary, a Collins dictionary, the new word of the year. So it's been voted, just one. New word of the year. Can you guess what it is? Do you want to call in? Binge watch. Word of the year. Do you remember what last year's was? I think we discussed it. Photobomb. Classic, right? Binge watch. Uh, the second place winner this year? transgender fascinating right binge watch makes a lot of sense you know uh, I don't know if you watched uh, college football this week but uh, again there was uh, an unbelievable late you know ridiculousness between Miami and Duke let me see if I can get it and for Larry Scott and the- Duke uh, was doing very well football wise lately they were 6-1 and one, and they were winning that game and they won it late and I remember looking at my phone when I saw it on Saturday when I was watching the World Series. I'm like, oh, Duke ended up winning. And then I looked at it again, and I'm like, wait, something's wrong. Could be a lot of rugby going on here. Take it short. Lateral. They practiced that on Wednesday. Time's going to expire on the game, so this either goes or it doesn't. Ball still alive. It's got to be a backwards lateral. Get behind it. Still alive. Duke doing it. Nice job, Stan. Stan spacing all over. Oh, he got, they got a block. blockers. They got blockers. They've got a lane. 40 yard line. No black shirts between the goal line. Can you believe what you just saw? The ruling on the field is a touchdown. The play is under review. Yeah, the play was under review because you know what? At the end of some games, sometimes when you're down, you got nothing to lose. You just keep lateraling it back. You go backwards pass, and you just keep going. Remember that work for Tennessee that it's called the Miracle in Nashville, or the Music City Miracle. Uh, you know, once in a while, you just you know it just happens. But this work, you know, it never usually works. 
and this just like ruined their season and everything else and it was unbelievable and it's been happening like three weeks in a row these crazy late finishes and then all the refs got fired because they looked into it like the next day and they're like there was all this nonsense you guys missed because the, the refs were probably like this is unbelievable the ball was like on the ground a couple times and they picked it up I, I have no idea how that's all legal I always thought once the ball touched the ground it was over but maybe it was I, I can't figure it out but if you watch the play Miami Duke it was like ridiculous and then uh, you know the ref comes out let me see if I can catch that one um, he finally comes out and he says what the story is and watching the referee who has just taken off the headset again. We're up to eight on the laterals. Eight, eight laterals. Can you believe that? And he is calling the other members of his officiating crew in from the far side to make sure everybody knows what he's about to announce. This is nine minutes I'm later. Sure. They were you know, just sitting there waiting. I feel bad for those fans that, you know, they're in shock. After review, there was never a need down by any of the runners of Miami. However, the, the blocking question was from the side, not from the back. It's a legal play. Touchdown. Game is over. Hurricanes win. That's the worst part of all. They go, touchdown, the game is over. <laughs> it's like the, the, the worst kind of ending. It's the, it's like, the game is now over. You may all go home. <laughs> As it just puts salt right into the wounds. So um, that's that was great. You mean, college football just rules sometimes, you know. And they announced the playoff rankings finally. Uh, this is the first week, and Clemson was number one. And I've been betting them too. I bet them this week. Actually, they didn't. I don't think they covered this week, um, or did they? I can't remember. Uh, LSU is number two. Ohio State national champs from last year, number three. And Alabama, with one loss, is number four. And Alabama will play LSU this Saturday. As a matter of fact, College Game Day is going to Tuscaloosa, because they always are in fucking Tuscaloosa, uh, because this will drop one of those two, and somebody else will be able to join. And, you know, it's really messed up, because, you know, you have the... Then you have Alabama, Notre Dame, all one-loss teams. You know, before your undefeated team, like Baylor, which should be up much higher, uh, Michigan State and TCU and Iowa. And then, you know... In number 25 is Houston, and Toledo are undefeated, and they're at 25. It seems so unfair, you know, if you're undefeated and you are you can't be the national championship. You know, what do you got to do? But I think in college, you need to win consistently, like three years in a row like that, before you can be considered, you know, in the top four or something to even make the playoffs. I mean, that's really tough. you got to win, like, 30 games without ever losing to work it out if you're one of those littler schools. You don't need to do that if you're Alabama or something like that because you have the, the street cred. But uh, I always feel bad for teams that go undefeated and then they kind of get shit on. You know, feel like, well, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? It's ridiculous. So that's that. We've already, uh, you know, we're already been talking for a while. Let's go to – oh, well um, – well, just this week, really quickly. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm going to bet Iowa this week over Indiana. I don't know why the line is seven. This is college we're talking about. Iowa's undefeated. They're playing in Indiana. The line is seven. I have a feeling I'm giving you advice that only I know. Because I watch Rutgers, I watched that Rutgers-Indiana game. Remember, I told you about it two weeks ago. So I was at Stuff Your Face, and Indiana was winning, you know, 100 to nothing. And then Rutgers somehow came back and won. Knowing that information... 
I'm assuming Iowa's going to kill Indiana. They clearly suck. How do you lose by 25 points? It also breaks your back. It breaks your spirit. I'm going Iowa only minus seven to stay undefeated against a very lame Indiana team. I'm going to go the Clemson-Florida State over 55.5. I think they're both going to score points because I don't want to take it. It's 11.5. It's making me nervous. I don't know why. And I think I'm going to take Wisconsin over Maryland minus 12 because uh, Maryland sucks just like Rutgers. You know, I wish Rutgers was better, but they're not. So anyway, tonight, uh, or last week, I did really well in the morning games and then lost every afternoon game. You know, I, 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 I got Cincinnati, Arizona, Houston, San Diego, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay. I got them all right and then just lost the Jets. Seattle, they didn't cover by the spread. Remember, I told you that one. I thought that was a good one. I really thought that was a good one. I don't understand how Seattle only won by one point. I'm telling you, Seattle sucks. Remember, I was having a tough time with that game because they Seattle's not that good, but Dallas is bad too. You know, that, that's the tough one. Uh, but I definitely picked Green Bay. I thought they would beat Denver, and Denver beat the shit out of them. That was very surprising because Denver's been doing it with smoke and mirrors, you know. And Carolina, I couldn't believe they couldn't cover either. I thought they, I guess Indianapolis is getting a little better, but they're still bad. So this week, now right now is playing the Bengals and the Browns. Uh, it started out at like 10 and a half. Now it's like 13. I think Johnny Manziel's playing, so I hate betting against because I'd love to see that kid do good. But now who cares? So I think the Bengals are going to win. And what I'm saying, the other games, I just really have no idea. I hope the Jets beat the Jaguars. I hate Geno Smith. I hope Ryan Fitzpatrick's back. I can't believe they lost the Raiders. Geno Smith is a bag of shit. He needs to leave. He's bad karma on that team. I'd give, I just want somebody else to play. I don't care who it is. This is Bryce Petty or whatever. But there's no games that I feel confident about. Even the Saints-Giants was such an unbelievable. They scored like 1,000 points last week. I don't know whether they'll cover against the Titans. I don't. I can't figure it out. The one that I'm pretty sure about is the Patriots will probably beat the shit out of the Washington Redskins. Washington only does well at home. But it's 14 points, so that's tough. The Packers over the Panthers? After last week, it's hard to say, but I'm going to say the Packers are going to beat the Panthers because even though the Panthers are undefeated, they got lucky last week, they're very scrappy. And uh, I think the Packers are better, but after seeing what happened last week on the road, I don't know. And the forty, the Falcons should completely beat the 49ers, but the Falcons are, like, really messing up. Like, there's no, for me, like, looking at short things this week. The Eagles, the Cowboys, who the fuck knows? They're both horrible. The Bears and the Chargers on Monday, they're both horrible. It's impossible to pick. I'm giving you nothing except the Bengals over the Browns because that spread went up big. Um... And just uh, uh, television, the reason I played the thing up front from Goodfellas was because uh, Ray Liotta is going to come back to television, unfortunately, with J-Lo. Yeah, they're giving Jennifer Lopez a, you know, a uh, Mysteries of Laura fucking vehicle. Um, J-Lo will play Harley Santos, a Brooklyn detective trapped by the FBI who's juggling her roles as a single parent with financial problems and her forced compliance with the FBI's anti-corruption task force. Ray Liotta will play her boss. I'm Mary Kelly Stoke. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. What do you got for me? Okay, here it is. The Graduate, part two. Oh, good. So, uh, that sounds horrible, but, but, am I right? 
you know. Wait, wait, he wants his money. Give him his money and let us just get the fuck out of here. Hey, fuck him. Fuck him in the ear. What are you talking about? Fuck him in the other ear. Come on, Ray Liotta's the shit. Ray Liotta's the shit. I, I, I mean, he's so fucking good. So I, I want to watch it. I love. We all love Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta's good in so many things. First of all, Goodfellas is ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. We all know it's ridiculous. But then he, um, you know, did a couple. I always liked him in uh, all those. Maybe we made that movie with Madeline Stowe. So he played a crooked cop. You know, he's a great, crazy person. Remember uh, something wild? I think that was well, that was even before Goodfellas, um, where he was really creepy in that, but great. And then the funny thing is, he was on two episodes of Just Shoot Me, if you remember that television show. I was trying to get a clip, but I couldn't, and I remember it. Um, he was in love with uh, Maya, who was Laura San Giacomo. And he was just, he, had, he was two lines in two different episodes, I'll never forget. Uh, one where, you know, he was playing himself. And he was playing like a guy that, you know, himself, really into himself. And he's like... Laura, you gotta understand. I, I'm a lot of people think I'm my character in Goodfellas, but I'm much more like my character in Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> it's like really funny. Um, and then the next time he was on, he was just a guy that was completely into Christmas. He was like really into Christmas, and like uh, Laura San Giacomo couldn't take it anymore. Oh, right, her character's name is Maya. I said Laura. Um, and he goes, and I guess Maya breaks up with him. And she goes, "You remember in Hannibal where Hannibal Lecter ate my brain?" And she goes, yeah, this is worse. <laughs> I love that he does comedy. I also remember him in a movie with Sigourney Weaver and actually Sarah called Heartbreakers. Uh, Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt, which was uh, a much better movie than I ever thought it was going to be. And he was great in that. So I will watch anything he's in. He had a series for a while that I started watching and it just didn't do well. And I heard he was kind of a dick about it and he just wasn't happy. So I don't know why he's doing it again, but... I mean, look, J-Lo is still hot. I just can't stand her as like a person and an actress. And that's why I stopped watching American Idol. I really can't stand her. But, come on. Maury, just give him his money. Just, what, are you going to tell Jimmy Conway that? Come on, Maury. What do you do? I'm in construction. Uh, more of a union delegate. You know, dinner for us in prison was not like it was anywhere else. He had a good system for the garlic. He used to slice it with a razor, and then it would liquefy in the pan. When he does those voiceovers in that thing, it's the best. I've never seen, you know, nobody had ever done a voiceover like that before where it was more really, you know, talking as you're talking to, you know, a friend at a dinner table or something. You know what I mean? That's what made it so good, and that's what made him fucking awesome. Ray Liotta kicks ass, and everyone knows it. Am I right or am I right? You know I am. Uh, just rating-wise with the World Series, um, the World Series had some of the best ratings they've ever had. And last year, you know, they, even though the Kansas City was in it, uh, you would think with San Francisco in it, it would do better, but it didn't. And this year, I guess the Mets help a lot. New York, L.A. teams. Um, so Sunday Night Football, 8.2 rating. And then they're follow-up and then the show after like when it you know the 430 games that gets a fucking 6.2 and then thursday night football six cbs 6.0 now this thursday it's on the nfl network i wonder if that 
we'll have to see if that. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a true rating because it's a cable. So, so then the fourth thing was World Series Game Five. That was the Sunday night one, a five point one. Good luck to uh, Once Upon a Time. I don't think they did very well. <laughs> they were up against two undefeated football teams and the World Series Game Five with the Mets. Uh, in fact, here it is. Uh, what so football got football got a 6.2 that was just, oh, I'm sorry that was the OT right football got an 8.2 and during that same time once upon a time got a 1.5 think about the drop off there and the World Series got a 5.1 that's amazing 17 million people for the World Series and World Series game 1 was the next on the list and then you know number 7 the Big Bang Theory um, and then all three World Series games, you know? I, I was surprised. I know usually it doesn't do well, but I think the Mets really pushed it. Supergirl was number 11, we told you. But those ratings dropped heavily on Monday. Because, why? No Big Bang Theory. So it dropped. Oh, everybody's favorite. I was going to tell you, I saw the second episode. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can deal with the show. It's not working for me at all. I totally gave it a chance. Uh, second episode, I'm not happy. Maybe I'll watch it again. I mean, obviously, you know, girls kind of pretty and everything. But, um, yeah, it's not working at all. It's really bad, I think. So it dropped because no Big Bang Theory. Oh, let's go see what's going to happen the Odd Couple. Supergirl. And then everything else, you know, whatever. All the usual, usual suspects. Oh, and that, uh, that wicked uh, show just keeps, you know, it's a disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah, Supergirl was beaten by The Voice. Down 29%. 29%. That's really bad. Hmm. I don't know. I'm fascinated by stuff like that. You know I am. You know I am. I feel like we covered everything today, and yet I feel... Like I'm missing something, but... Oh, you know, the funny thing is um, the New York Comedy Festival is coming up, I think, next next week. And Sarah is performing in Brooklyn at... I don't know where. I thought... Oh, I don't know where. And um, I'm already getting the calls, you know? Hey, I saw Cass Sarah was uh, playing in Brooklyn. Do you think... Uh, it's, a, it's a disaster for me already. You know what I'm saying? I'm already getting the calls. Already getting the calls. You think it's easy? You think it's easy for me? Oh, and also just on the... It's Quentin Tarantino. He sucks. I'm mad. I usually like him, but... Talking about the cops like that, that's uncool. You know... Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but Jeff Ross has got a plan for a new roast, and... And he's been hanging out with Dave Chappelle, and I, I, I think Dave Chappelle is anti-cop, too, and that, that's just not cool. I, I don't... You know, cops are obviously flawed, and, um, you know, I get it. Shooting an unarmed person is not cool, but some of the other stuff, I mean, I don't know... You know, people just don't listen, and they, they tell them to please put your hands to your side, and they don't do it. What are you supposed to do? The cops are terrified. They don't know what's happening. There's like a war on cops. So why is this guy making it worse? It was like Quentin Tarantino. They're going to boycott his stuff. And I think so am I. I'm not happy. The cops are doing the best they can. And it's 
there's always going to be a couple of bad apples. But it's tough to be a cop, and it's tough to only shoot when you're being shot at. You know, can you imagine? You know, I've known a lot of cops over the years, and, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, maybe they, maybe they don't love black people. <laughs> because they just deal with them a lot, I guess. But it's like, um, I know that sounds horrible, but it's just, you know, I mean, I don't I don't think any of them want to kill them. And, you know, what are you supposed to do when somebody is uh, threatening you? I mean, you got to use restraint. It's true. But most of them try the best they can. You can't just talk and tell them, you know, and start talking about that. You're a, I don't know, right? I guess we should have. Oh, listen, uh, next week, I think, you know, I think I'm going to go see James Bond on Wednesday if I don't go to Sarah's show. Fuck. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope she doesn't ask me to go to her show. Um, but, yeah, I got to see the new James Bond, go with my buddy Lawrence, and I think I'm going to take uh, Mary Edgerton, who's been on the show, and maybe I'll bring her back next week if we've seen it already and discuss it. Spectre. Oh, and last night... Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to talk about this. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll call it a night. I feel like... Uh, oh, uh, one other thing. Um, in Hamilton, <laughs> when the president was there, obviously all I could think of was, uh, you know, this... Uh, the umpire. He saved the queen's life. That's not the umpire, Your Honor. It's Enrico Palazzo! <laughs> you remember the Naked Gun, you know, uh, where those two guys are sitting in the Queen's seats and they have to be moved out? <laughs> so I want me and my sister to be sitting in Obama's seat and we have to be uh, whisked away. <laughs> that would have been a dream come through, come true. You know? But it wasn't to be. I had my own seats and uh, that was the show. So... All right, again, um, you know, I've just been really busy, 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 and, uh, you know, I wanted a guest. I wanted some guests, but, you know, I was talking, I was down at the cell, I was talking to Todd Barry. I don't know if you know who this guy is. And he's like, hey, you still doing your podcast? That's what he says. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing it. And, um, you know, everybody I talk to that has a podcast, and everybody has one, certainly every comic, they all have guests. And I say, yeah, I don't really care to have guests. I like just talking. And look at me. This is just an hour and a half, and you know I could go longer. I choose to stop. But uh, this is the show we have. Uh, we'll figure it out, you know. But we're having a good time. It's a great fall. It's a good football week. And it's going to be a great week. It's a wonderful weather week. Enjoy this beautiful start of November into the big holiday season. I'll see you next time on the Dave Just Podcast. Hey, now. <laughs>